0: Section number eighteen of *The Empire of Business* by Andrew Carnegie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kat Din in Osaka, Japan. *The Empire of Business*, section eighteen: Variety versus uniformity. Variety versus uniformity the socialist needs to revolutionize human nature before he can even test his theories for nature abhors a vacuum not more than she does uniformity no two blades of grass are alike and the higher we go in creation the greater the variations no two fishes no two animals are alike huber tells us he was able to distinguish the individual ants in the hill so different was one from another when humanity is considered no two children but display wide differences the more intelligent being the more individualistic. No two families are alike, and were all placed under similar conditions, houses and grounds alike, incomes equal. Next day differences would begin to appear and increase as time went on. The children of able, prudent parents would be differentiated from those whose parents were less able. No laws of the state could prevent this. Uniformity today would inevitably become variation tomorrow. Before socialism can introduce uniformity of living, men must be born duplicates of each other. Yet in none of nature's productions is diversity so great, because man is the highest and most complex of all. We can no more make men equally comfortable through equal incomes than we can make them equal in fortune by distributing the wealth of the country among them. One week after such distribution, there would be thousands penniless and begging their bread, their last state worse than the first. Because revolutionary socialism requires a change in human nature, it calls for scant attention. It is impossible to introduce, much less to maintain, the socialistic state until human nature becomes totally different from what it is now. When the socialist has effected this change, but not before, is the abandonment of the present system worthy of the slightest attention? It is not in order as long as men differ from each other no two alike but all equally determined to live each his own life in his own way this being his nature this is the law of progress of his race as it is of plant and animal life by selection and cultivation of the exceptional animal or plant that showing the greatest variation from the ordinary type breeders and cultivators develop the higher orders of life thus has come man from the brute The race has been allowed to develop in freedom, hence, while still savage, the stronger physically was the foremost, and later, under civilization, the strongest mentally have become the leaders, from whom have arisen the select few whose names stand out in history as the exceptional members of our race, whose labors and example, in all the higher domains of human effort, have slowly lifted the race to its present position, infinitely higher than it was only a few hundreds of years ago not uniformity but infinite diversity ensured this progress and as far as we can see it is through diversity alone that the race can continue its upward march the exceptional man in every department must be permitted and encouraged to develop his unusual powers tastes and ambitions in accordance with the laws which prevail in everything that lives or grows the survival of the fittest means that the exceptional plants animals or men which have the needed variations from the common standard Are the fructifying forces that leaven the whole among these are the great teachers and lawgivers the poets and statesmen physicians and historians the inventors and discoverers who lead the mass of more uniform pattern onward and upward the contrast between shakespeare and the ordinary specimen of humanity is as great as that between the average civilized man and the barbarian A few pages of this book would hold the names of the truly exceptional men who have distinctly moved the human race forward since history began many indeed have contributed thereto and in the widest sense no individual can live a good useful life without contributing his might to the general wheel but those who have achieved a decided advance in any one of the innumerable paths of human effort have been few in number although they built upon the work of many predecessors burbank grows hundreds of thousands of plants sometimes millions before the exceptional variation appears from which a new variety can be developed capable of producing superior fruit so with man who must be left in perfect freedom as long as he infringes not upon the freedom of others nor injures the state free to choose his career and live his own life in his own way the rule being perfect freedom limitation of that always exceptional and only exercised when overpowering reasons arise rendering interference necessary to protect the freedom of others and thus prevent greater evils to the body politic under present conditions which give to all men liberty to carve out their careers a wool-carder hears and obeys the imperious call from on high and gives to man the masterpieces of literature a precious legacy according to lowell worth more than all the ancient classics A poor plowman, he, who of all men nestles closest to the bosom of humanity, sees the lovely vision that comes to him in his odd clay biggin, and under her guidance he proclaims the royalty of man, exalts honest poverty, strikes down the cruel theology of his day, and hails the unfortunate mouse as his poor earth-born companion and fellow mortal, to him all life being kin. A young man ordered to manage a farm rebels and follows his destiny, and in one word, gravitation reveals to the world the law that pervades the universe to two english lads both remarkable for originality and hard to place while still groping the revelation came each found his destiny and from their seclusion after years of labor they proclaimed the word which brought order out of chaos evolution and man no longer the supposed degraded creature fallen from his high estate stands forth today in his majesty the monarch of all created things, endowed with sublime aspiration for continual ascent, no limit to his future elevation short of perfection. Four hundred years ago, a Scottish boy, soon left an orphan in poverty, the spirit moving within him at maturity, lived to publish the first germ of democracy in Britain, proclaiming that all power resided in the people, and kings were only to be supported as long as they wrought their people's good. 40 years later came one of his pupils, soon also left an orphan, who heard the call of destiny as a disciple of his predecessor. When asked by King James if it were not an offense against God to oppose the Lord's anointed, he replied, Man, you are only the Lord's silly vassal. And largely to these two pioneers of democracy, supported 70 years later in England by him of the organ voice, a poor scrivener, Our race owes constitutional government. The son of a French tanner finds his mission and consecrates his life to it. The most horrible of all diseases, hitherto incurable, is conquered, the death rate reduced to one percent. Surgical practice is revolutionized. Later, he rescues the silk industry from an epidemic of fatal character. A working wharfinger in Genoa, fired by the gods, sees in imagination what lies over the seas and reveals the new world. A poor student getting access at last to a small telescope follows the stars and revolutionizes human conceptions of the planetary system a german physician giving gratuitous service to the poor and perforating the walls of his humble dwelling that he might note the stars in their passage keeping for many years the momentous secret in his bosom lest the stake were his destiny at last reveals to the world the copernican theory a boy having learned dentistry and, in its practice, seeing the agonies of his patients, hears the call to his mission, discovers the antidote in ether, and henceforth, in sweet unconscious sleep, pain finds its conqueror. A German printer-apprentice, noted for devotion to his work and studying the means of improvements, finds the answer in movable types, which, through the printed page, make knowledge universal. A Scottish mechanic, making odds and ends for a livelihood is fascinated by black's discovery of the latent heat in steam his life thereafter is concentrated upon the problem of its utilization and the steam engine appears a working engineer extends its dominion over the sea a miner stretches it over the land and the world shrinks into a neighborhood a printer's lad in philadelphia visited by the genii when commercing with the skies draws electricity from heaven and the world today is in constant instantaneous communication a youth in our day hears the imperious call and most mysterious of all we have wireless communication across the atlantic an apprentice to a surgeon appalled at the ravages of an infectious disease hears the spirit summons to be up and doing and a wasting plague is conquered an american telegraph messenger boy carried by the gods into the mysterious realm produces duplex telegraphy gives to the world improved electric lighting, the phonograph, and other wonders, and is still diving into the unknown. Another Scot, still busy with the gods, produces the telephone. Another Scottish mechanic discovers coal gas and uses it for the first time to light his humble home. An English ironmaster invents plans for the use of pit coal instead of charcoal for smelting ironstone. A Scottish lad, who left school at fourteen, invents the hot blast— and these two britons revolutionized the manufacture of iron a german after years of effort finally invents a new process of steel making cheapening that indispensable article a scottish workman adds the one lacking ingredient another german follows with another process and steel becomes the indispensable slave of progress three englishmen a handloom weaver a reed maker and an apprentice through their inventions the fly shuttle the spinning jenny and the spinning frame give the world modern weaving of all manufacturing industries the greatest employer of labor a poor young american employed upon the mississippi in a trading barge sees for the first time men and women bought and sold upon the auction block and is stirred by the divine messenger leaving the scene he vows if ever i get a chance to strike that accursed system i shall hit it hard He concentrates himself to his holy mission, and banishes the last vestige of slavery from the civilized world. Pages more could be filled with such instances of beneficent leadership developed under individualism. Seldom, if ever, to the palace or stately home of wealth comes to the messenger of the gods to call men to such honor as follows, supreme service to the race. Rank has no place. Wealth robs life of the heroic element, the sublime consecration, the self-sacrifice of ease, needed for the steady development of our powers and the performance of the highest service. Let workmen note how many of the exceptionals indicated in the preceding pages who have carried the race forward were workers with their hands. Shakespeare, Gutenberg, Columbus, Kay, Morton, Edison, Watt, Murdoch, Jenner, Siemens, Bell, Hargreaves, Nielsen, Bessemer, Arkwright, Stevenson, Lincoln, Mouchette, Franklin, Symington, Burns. All these began as manual workers. There is not one rich nor titled leader in the whole list. All were compelled to earn their bread. Most of them, however, but not all, in due time abandoned labor of the hands, a salutary development, and one which every working man should aspire to. Honorable and necessary as manual labor is, let us gladly greet productive labor of the mind as of a higher order, as the spirit is above the flesh, although it must never be forgotten that in the skilled labor of our day a union of both brain and muscle is imperatively needed. The trained first-class mechanic now works as much with his brain as with his hands and, if in charge of machinery, much more. The dingy room, the close laboratory, the crowded workshop, and the home of honest poverty contain the exceptionals, capable of carrying forward the mission of the race upon earth, which is in each succeeding generation to make this life a little higher and better. In our day it is very far from true that labor creates all wealth and still further from the truth that labor fixes values. But it is very close to the truth that so far the young man reared in poverty, who must work that he may eat, has developed the qualities upon the exercise of which the progress of our race depends. Little has been contributed in the past by either the rich or the titled to the world's advancement, and little can be expected in the future. These classes lack the spur of necessity, and being well placed, naturally rest contented so would the poor were positions reversed this is human nature as it exists in our day the exceptional rich man or youth who scorns delights and lives laborious days there are a few such deserves double honor under our present individualistic system which breeds and develops the needed leaders there is no state official to interpose no communism no uniformity no commission to consider respective claims of the exceptionals and decide upon their destinies all are left in perfect freedom and in the possession of glorious liberty of choice free by the sole act of their own unlorded will to obey the divine call which consecrates each to his great mission one point is clear nothing should be done that would tend to reduce diversity of talents in our race and everything should be done to increase it if possible for it is through variation the progress of the race has been achieved and is to come and progress is the chief end of existence this is what we are here for, as is proven by the fact that progress from the lower to the higher has prevailed from the time this earth cooled and life began to appear. This is our godlike mission that every individual in his day and generation push on this march upward, so that each succeeding generation may be better than the preceding. Not one of us can feel his duty done, unless he can say, as he approaches his end, that because he has lived, some fellow creature or some little spot of earth or Something upon it has been made just a little better. Nor is this beyond the reach of the humblest, for all can at least render to others that best portion of a good man's life his little, nameless, unremembered acts of kindness and of love. End of section 18. Variety versus Uniformity. Recording by Cat Din in Osaka, Japan.